Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hey everybody, welcome to The Edge podcast by MGR, your host David Gill here. I hope everybody's having a great week. I certainly am. Today's episode is a weekly roundup of everything that's been going on, but real quick before I get into it, uh, if you did not listen to my podcast on Tuesday about Twitter and uh, how they're in a little bit of trouble, but you know, I think that they can get out of it, and I kind of gave my thoughts on what they could do to grow their user base and grow their ad revenue because that's that's really what they need to do. I gave a few ideas. You know, maybe they'll listen to them. Who knows? Anyways, uh, give that a listen if you did not already this week. Uh, you know, a few things happened. So let's let's just hop right into it. You ain't got no money. I ain't got no time. All these faces looking funny when I'm driving by. All right, let's start off by talking about phones. So obviously the major story of this week was Apple's great numbers and them hitting a trillion dollar evaluation. Congratulations to them. I already talked to this, I talked about this a little bit on Tuesday's show too. So I'm not going to go too in deep about Apple today. But what I do want to cover is the competition, uh, particularly Samsung and Huawei. Huawei is how you pronounce it. Um, Samsung is kind of dropping off a bit and the Chinese phone maker Huawei is taking off. Huawei passed Apple this past quarter in units sold as far as smartphones go to become the second best seller of smartphones worldwide. Samsung is still first but their lead is shrinking certainly and Huawei is definitely a major a threat for them. Now I, w- I should say real quick, uh, Apple is third, right? You hear Samsung and uh, Huawei second but Apple still wipes the floor with Huawei and Samsung in terms of earnings. They make much more money per phone than those two companies combined. So as far as units sold goes, it's Samsung 1, Huawei 2, Apple 3. But obviously Apple makes much more money than them, hence the trillion dollar valuation. But this sets up an interesting battle for the international markets because all three of these companies are competing heavily for market share outside of Europe and North America, right? In in Europe and North America, Apple dominates North America. Samsung has a bit of a foothold. In Europe, um, I would say Apple is less strong, especially outside of the UK. But really what we're looking at is the battle over Asia, particularly India, where there's over a billion customers at stake. And Indians have made... The Indians, yeah, have made it perfectly clear that they want two things, primarily. Big screens and interchangeable SIM cards, right? The SIM cards is because over there, they actually have carrier competition, unlike, say, in the U.S., where you have, like, AT&T, Verizon, maybe T-Mobile or Sprint if you want to, but that's about it. Over there, they have dozens of carriers who are always competing, so uh, customers want to be able to just quickly get a new SIM card from a new carrier and swap them out, which you can't actually do on iPhone phones right now. But that's why there's rumors of Apple releasing possibly a phone with interchangeable SIM cards. Well, that's much more of a of a of a if, but the for sure is probably releasing a version of the iPhone 10 with a bigger screen and also creating a cheaper phone that's somewhere in the $600 range rather than the 8 
or the yeah 800 and thousand plus range like the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10. Um, this could certainly work for Apple in competing with Samsung and Huawei. See, Samsung has always competed on hardware, but that gap has closed because Apple can offer the same level hardware, and now so can Huawei. But Apple has the superior software and the superior ecosystem over both of those companies. So if they can come with a product that is attractive on the hardware side while also being at a lower price with the Apple software, with iOS, they can certainly get a foothold in the market. Huawei can compete with Samsung on every level pretty much. I mean, they have the same hardware and they compete for the same exact market worldwide as in the lower priced alternative to an iPhone. That's where the trouble for Samsung is. That's where their sales numbers dropped off. People were unimpressed with the Galaxy 9 and the Samsung Note, Galaxy Note 9 is coming out soon too, but we'll see how well that does, especially after the Note 8 did okay, but it didn't do that great. We'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Uh, but with Huawei's, or with Samsung sales down, Huawei sells up, and app, and rumors of Apple making these accommodations to keep compete in India, this could certainly turn into an all-out war for the future of the smartphone market. I mean, it's just one country, but when you have a billion plus customers at stake i mean there's more units to be sold there than there are in all of north america canada u.s mexico combined so certainly worth the battle next up facebook is making moves so the headlines around facebook recently or i should say for the past you know six months eight months whatever uh have really been around their controversies and facebook has been you know all over the news with all of the bad things that have been happening but behind the scenes kind of under the radar they've been making some strategic moves and these moves are going under the radar not so much because facebook is being covert about it just because people are not really focused on what they're doing as a business but more about the you know controversial stuff but they did two things this week that were interesting and could have pretty decent implications. So first they announced the integration of WhatsApp on their ad platform. And again, I talked to this about this a little bit on Tuesday, but basically they're now planning on fully monetizing the 1.6 billion WhatsApp users that are currently not having ads served to them. This rollout will be slow, but over the course of the next year, two years, it could potentially bring in billions of dollars of new revenue that's not currently being realized it's it's money a whole new billion multi-billion dollar revenue stream that they don't currently have that could be pretty easily implemented as they've already done it with facebook messenger and they could pay take the same principles and do it with whatsapp so that is certainly interesting and the other thing they're doing is creating a direct competitor to every uh dating app out there right tinder bumble whatever they're going to add a feature within the Facebook app. It's not going to be a separate app, but it's going to be kind of like Facebook Marketplace if you've used that. And it will be just what Tinder is. You know, it's going to be a dating app where you swipe swipe left or right on people. This has been a common trend for Facebook over the last two years, right? Take the core feature of some popular app and just add it into their own apps right they did this with stories directly copying snapchat they did this with marketplace directly copying offer up and other 
uh, you know, local selling apps. Obviously, they copied Craigslist, and now they're doing it with Tinder and Bumble and all the other dating apps. They're going to just integrate it straight into Facebook and try to cut them off by taking advantage of their massive user base. And also, this is a big deal because almost every Tinder user connects their Facebook account to Tinder. So Facebook can get directly target all the people who are already on Tinder with their dating app. Whether this will succeed or not is hard to tell. I don't know if people will want the same place that they interact with friends and family to be the same place that they, you know, try to go on dates. Uh, I don't know if that'll work, but it's clear Facebook is trying to dominate all aspects of the mobile experience so that you can't own a phone, you can't own a smartphone without also using a Facebook product, whether it be Facebook or Facebook Messenger or Facebook Dating or Instagram or WhatsApp or whatever, right? They're trying to make it so that everyone with a smartphone is using a Facebook product. And so far, it's worked out pretty well considering they have billions of users across all of their platforms. All right, and before we get into our final story, there's been a lot of crypto news. Uh, that'll be the final story, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the 5G network news battle, whatever you want to call it. Um, I wanted to mention that T-Mobile is committing a th- is committing 3.5 billion dollars in a partnership with Nokia. Nokia is going to provide a lot of the uh, equipment and infrastructure uh, needed to create a 5G network for T-Mobile. This is T-Mobile's attempt to become the first carrier in the U.S. to offer 5G network speeds. Whether they actually will or not, or will be first, is debatable. And $3.5 billion is a lot of money, but it's probably not going to be enough to provide nationwide 5G coverage. But you know what? The race is on to create a 5G network in the U.S. Verizon is definitely the leader so far. They're rolling out in Houston and Sacramento and L.A., but AT&T and T-Mobile are right on their heels. Uh, But really, this is overall just good news for the consumer because consumers are going to get 5 to 10 times faster internet speeds within the next coming years um, over the 5G network. The prices are not going to be exorbitant, I've seen, and a lot of these uh, networks are going to come with bundles, like Verizon is trying to bundle um, possibly YouTube TV, which means you won't even need cable, so you can get 5G and cable all in one or cable online through YouTube TV all in one without paying a ton of money that basically for the same price as your regular internet bill. So that'll be interesting. Uh, I'm excited. I hope 5G comes faster sooner than later. But uh, yeah, that's your 5G update for right now. All right, let's talk crypto. So there's been a race between countries to become the crypto capital of the world. I talked about Malta a few weeks ago and how they're working with Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, and New Fund, NEU Fund. Um, they are a decentralized exchange, but they want to create, Malta wants to create a friendly regulatory environment that attracts companies who want to work in the blockchain space. But Malta is not alone. So Bermuda recently also partnered with Binance and is passing laws and regulations to make it 
transparent as to what's required from crypto companies to operate. That's really the biggest deal, right? In the US, the SEC has not made any decisions. In Europe, it's been very cloudy as to what uh, is going on as far as like what are all the regulations. And so countries like Malta and Bermuda are making very clear, concise regulations that say this is what's required, abide by these rules, and you can operate your company. And that's what all these companies look for because it's really frustrating when you have to constantly jump through all these regu regulatory hurdles, especially when you're a startup. And Bermuda especially is already a haven for many hedge funds and large corporations. So they have a lot of experience in accommodating foreign companies into their own country, into their uh, ecosystem, you could say. But on top of those two, you also have Zug, Zug, Switzerland. I think it's Zug. Um, which is commonly referred to as Crypto Valley, kind of like Silicon Valley, but Crypto Valley, because they're home to the Ethereum Foundation, which obviously, you know, is the central uh, company that runs Ethereum and Shapeshift, which is one of the largest crypto wallet companies. You know, with all these countries competing, it's clear that the regulatory landscape will become much easier to traverse soon, which has been one of the main obstacles holding the crypto companies back. I think this is all very promising. I think this is this is good. I think this is going to really help uh, crypto reach the next level because regulation, most of these companies, the legit companies want to abide by regulations, but they need to know what those regulations are in the first place to abide by them. It's only the shady companies that don't want to abide by them, but it's clear that it's going to be much easier and much more transparent soon. So that's very good news. And the other major crypto news that came out this week was the Intercontinental Exchange, the company that runs uh, the NYSE, which is the world's largest stock exchange, uh, is creating a crypto platform called Bact. It's spelled B-A-K-K-T. I don't know why they chose that weird name, but anyways, Bact. Um, their plan is to, and I'm going to read the quote here, um, their, or their goal is backed by international inter, I'm sorry, intercontinental exchange proven financial market infrastructure and technology backs secure global platform will connect investors, merchants, and consumers, making it easier, faster, and more cost effective to access trade and use digital assets, digital assets, AKA cryptocurrencies and tokens, whatever, uh, Backs open source neutral platform will be designed to meet applicable regulatory requirements and to support innovation around digital assets in blockchain applications. They also said, I'm going to read one more quick quote, um, that their goal is to clear the way for major money managers to offer Bitcoin mutual funds, pension funds, and ETFs as highly, regulator, highly regulated mainstream investments. Unquote. Uh, basically, they want to bring a regulated exchange so that mon big money managers will put their money into crypto. And I made a podcast about three weeks ago all about that, about how I talked about STO, security token offerings, meaning treating tokens as securities, just like you would treat a, a share of a company as a security. And I said that if we are able to regulate it properly, that you can bring in big money, but it must be regulated properly because pension funds and ETFs and especially mutual fund managers, they are using money that is of retirees and 401ks and all of that, and they're not 
not just going to put their money in some unregulated exchange. And so this is why something like this is necessary. So you have a company that operates the NYSE saying that they are going to do just that. I'm very excited for this. And they also, by the way, part of it was not just to on the investment side, but to enable transactions. So they want to enable the use of digital assets in everyday payments. Um, their initial partners are going to be Microsoft and Starbucks for this. So soon, supposedly, you'll be able to buy your coffee at Starbucks with Bitcoin if you want to. Same goes for buying things on the Microsoft Store. Now, how that will all work is not really clear yet. Obviously, this is something that's going not going to happen overnight. How they plan on dealing with the transaction fees and speed of transactions and how long it's going to how long transactions you know take to clear on the blockchain um, from Bitcoin. I don't know, but we'll see. I'm not sure if they plan on implementing something like the Lightning Network or what their plan is for that. But it's certainly promising that it seems like every week we get some new major institution creating a platform or wanting to adopt crypto, right? We've had NASDAQ say that, show their interest. We've had the Australian Stock Exchange talk about how they're developing a platform. And now the New York Stock Exchange is doing it as well, or the parent company of the New York Stock Exchange is doing it as well. So we'll see how this all goes. I'm very interested. I'm very optimistic. I think this could certainly work out. It's exactly what I talked about on my podcast a couple of weeks ago where I went super in-depth. If you want to hear me go, you know, get into the weeds of it all, um, I believe the podcast is called – actually, I'll just link it in the description. Don't worry about it. It's Yeah, just go to the description. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, please share it with share this podcast with one person that you think would also want to give it a listen. Just one. You know, there's probably one person, right? One person you think would enjoy it. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. 